I'm your host, Madeline, and welcome to The Courageous Podcast, where you will hear inspirational stories of everyday people who will share how they found strength, hope, and faith in the midst of adversity. Let's get ready to be inspired. Today, I have Tara Williamson from North Carolina. She is a wife, a mom to three beautiful children, a grandma of one, and a breast cancer survivor. She is a nurse and founder of Pink Ink Tattoo and an internationally recognized certified 3D areola tattoo artist. In 2017, she co-produced a television show featuring women cancer survivors. Today, she says she wouldn't trade her life for any other road she could have chosen to travel. She says, I am right where I belong. I'm living my second act. I love that, Tara. I want to welcome you, welcome you to the Courageous Podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. Truly honored. Well, you and I just connected through Instagram and you you reached out to me um, a couple of months ago and and we connected rather quickly just because of a, a struggle that I was facing. And so, you know, I've had people tell stories of how cancer has impacted them as a family member, but never an actual cancer survivor. And so, you know, it's what I wanted. So I was like, Lord, I know you sent her my way. So I'm really excited for you to share your story and all the amazing things you're doing right now. And so I wanted to share just one little thing. You know, I know when you and I were talking, you had shared with me that you donated your kidney to your sister in June of 2000. You, you know, you said to me like, hey, I thought that was like the biggest, most impactful thing that was going to happen to me in my life. And so I just wanted to ask you quickly, you know, how important was it for you to donate your organ to her? Well, extremely important. And at the time I was in nursing school in my 20s and I had a two-year-old, a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. And so, of course, I knew the risk of donating an organ going under a major surgery. But my sister also had a two-year-old and a six-year-old. So they needed a mom and she needed a kidney. And I had two. And I know that I can live with one. So it really was a no-brainer. As soon as I had time off from school between semesters, we actually drove out to Arizona from North Carolina and followed up with the remainder test that I needed to do. And then we were right into surgery um, and it saved her life. And she had that kidney for probably 16 years before she had any issues, which unfortunately medication cost a lot. And mm-hmm. she exhausted all her avenues for that and ultimately ended up losing the kidney. Mm-hmm. But at the time, it was extremely important and it does save lives. So I'm definitely an advocate for living donors for sure. Wonderful. And I wanted to touch on that because I realize how important it is. And, you know, through 2020, organ donation went down. And so, again, it's important to continue to bring awareness to that. And so I thank you for sharing that. And so you're living life and finishing school and and doing all these amazing things, raising your kids. And then in 2012, you went in for your routine exam, as as all of us women should be doing, and you received some shocking news. Tell me about that. Well, at the age of 30, I had started getting mammograms, which is abnormal. You know, the that's not what's recommended, but I had a great physician who just wanted to get a baseline and I had dense breast. So she wanted to start doing mammograms at 30. Of course, I was like, sure. And then in 2012, I 
went in for that annual routine checkup and I had waited three years. I'd missed the mammogram and she was like, you really need to go. Like, this is really important. We just need to continue because a couple years prior, we had found like a little fatty tissue on my brow line. It was nothing, ended up being nothing. Mm-hmm. And I just figured, you know, I don't feel anything. I don't have family history. I'm, I don't need to be really concerned about breast cancer. Right. I'm 39. But at that appointment, something just struck me and I said, you know what? I, I am going to go. I'll go. I need to go. And so that January of uh, 2012, I went in and had that mammogram. And that is exactly what happened. They called me back and said, hey, you know, we have an appointment for you to go to a breast surgeon. And I thought, well, that's odd. Why so quick? You know, and Mm -hmm. she was like, it's going to be today at one. You know, your records might not be there from the ultrasound and the mammogram, but that's okay. You know, like they're going to get sent over. She, I've already talked to the breast surgeon and I thought, wow, like she sent me into Raleigh, a big city. And Mm -hmm. this is crazy. And I said, you know what? I'll pick them up. I can pick the film up. I live right by the hospital. So I'll pick it up and take it with me, which was probably the worst thing I could have ever done, especially being a nurse. I, got those records. And of course, I'm going to read them. Right. And I'm not a radiologist, but I certainly can understand what they were saying. And just my whole life just completely changed that moment because I knew exactly what all those words meant. Mm-hmm. And I just quickly made it home and looked at my husband. I'm like, we got to go outside and talk. Like I did not even want to talk about this in front of my kids at all because it just looked horrible. And his whole face just dropped like, oh my God. And I said, let's just go. And times are different, things are different. So that's when everything just dropped, you know, our whole world's turned upside down. Right? No, absolutely. I mean, you go into the doctor thinking like, I'm going to be fine. No big deal. Right? It's like, it's a routine. Like you said, you're, you're, you're young, you don't feel anything, you're healthy. And that's kind of the misconception sometimes as women, we think like, oh, we're fine. I feel great. I'm just going, 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 not realizing that there's something underlying kind of going on and that you're not always going to have symptoms. So, you know, when you read the film before even going to your doctor, you know, what was your first thought when you said to yourself, you're reading this before you even tell your husband, what was that first thought for you? Fear. I didn't want to die. Right. On the paperwork, you know, it was saying like stage five. And I thought, oh oh my Mm. God, I don't have never even heard of a stage five. I can't even wrap my head around this. This is insane. And it just said this five centimeter with trend lens, which are like spider legs coming off of this huge tumor, which is right in my armpit area. And mm-hmm. I thought, this is not good, not good. So fear was definitely uh, the first thing that came over me. I just kept thinking about my kids and like, I'm 39. I don't, you know, I want to live. What do I, I got to, what do I got to do? That's right. That's right. And then I know you said you told your husband and he was very supportive, obviously, and being positive, which is what you need at that time when you get a diagnosis like this. Did you tell your kids? Did you tell your family? You know, how did they take this news? We're very close and open with each other. And of course, I don't want to take away their childhood, their happiness. I don't want them to feel like they have to bear this horrible, heavy information. So we went to the doctors, my husband and I by ourselves. They didn't know what was going on at the time. And they were teenagers. Mm -hmm. Our youngest one was 14. And we just wanted to go and figure out what was the plan, what was going to happen. Once we had everything in place, that's when we came back and I just said, Hey, this is what's happening. And we were all kind of just in shock. And 
I think the one that it hit hard was more my husband mm-hmm. because his grandmother, who was like a mom to him in the 1980s, you know, it was a breast cancer meant one size fits all. You get a one treatment, a radical mastectomy, mm. and there you go. You live or you don't. And sadly, she didn't. And that's hardcore to say, but that's kind of how the treatment went back in those days. Right. And that's what he saw. And that's what he witnessed. And that's what he thought was what was going to happen to me. Mm. And that's why I was like, things are different. Treatment's different. Everybody's, it's a different path for each one of us. No matter if it's the same diagnosis, we're all going to be treated differently. I promise like this, that doesn't mean that's my end of my journey in that same direction, you know? So let's just stay positive, just do the best that we can do and research and get the information that we need to make decisions. That's right. You know, it's interesting. He's comforting you at the initial news. And then you have to turn around and comfort him because he's already seen what this did to his own mom. And so, my God, that's got to be terrifying for the both of you at that time. And so I know you're going through, you know, learning to cope with this diagnosis, you know, trying to kind of digest it, trying to figure out what this means. Obviously, you're trying to figure out, like you said, what's the right treatment for you. And then you receive some news about your dad. Tell me about that. You think that this is the most horrifying thing that you can imagine going through. And then it just something else gets loaded on top. You know, my family called and said, you have to come to Ohio. Your dad's on the way to the hospital and it doesn't look good. And so I just dropped everything and got up there, got into the hospital with him in the intensive care. And, you know, he was just extremely sick and he ended up passing away within 48 hours. Uh, I mean, I'm grateful I was able to be there with him. He knew I was there. But at the same time, it was like, you're dealing with cancer and you have no idea what is going to happen with that. And then at the same time, I have to also struggle with my dad being sick and now dying Mm -hmm. and then planning a funeral for him. I just felt like I was living in a nightmare. Right. Do you feel like you had time to mourn or you just kind of had to go right into refocusing on next steps? you know, for your cancer? Well, unfortunately, I say unfortunately, but maybe it was fortunate for me that I had to stay focused. So I didn't have time to really mourn him. I had Mm -hmm. to plan his funeral, literally write his obituary, get all of that together. He was a Vietnam vet. So I wanted to make sure he was honored correctly. And I live in North Carolina and he lived in Ohio. So I had to come back and forth and financially, you know, that's draining Mm -hmm. and then pay for the funeral and do all that, which I'm his child. Of course, I'm going to do that. But at the same time, I'm also dealing with a breast surgeon who I'm telling her, this is my concern. This is what I want to do. I want to be aggressive. And she's fighting me on this end. So I'm trying to bury my dad and, and try to mourn him. But at the same time, I'm trying to live too and fight for what I want for my own body. Mm -hmm. And I'm battling that with my breast surgeon, which is so unfortunate. That's so sad. You know, and this is something that happens to people all the time. You know, you're going through one struggle and then you get bombarded with something else. I mean, when it rains, it pours. And so when you first shared that, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like she's already going through this and then she has to lose her dad in that way. And so at this stage, you know, you said, that you were struggling 
struggling, you know, with a diagnosis, with losing your dad, with this constant battle with your doctor and with your faith too. And eventually you just had an encounter and said, hey, I just got to surrender to God at this point. Share a little bit about what that was like. Well, I've always grown up with a strong belief and I've taught my kids that we've lived that way. Of course, humans and make mistakes and all that. And But when this happened, it literally put my faith to the test. And there was a moment where I just said, what am I doing? Like I'm wasting my time with prayer and all that's not working. And I just struggled and I walked away. Like I just turned my back and I said, I've got to handle this myself. Like I don't have time to sit around and pray. I have to live. Mm -hmm. I've got to figure out how I'm going to fight this doctor. And then trying to do it on my own, everything just got more intense and it just got worse. And I just felt like I was just going to collapse. Mm -hmm. And literally I did to my knees. It sounds cliche, but it literally is the truth. I'll never forget it. I was in my bedroom and I just collapsed onto my knees and I thought I can't do it on my own. Like Mm -hmm. I just had to surrender myself, my soul. And once I did that, everything in my life at that moment completely changed around. Mm -hmm. And it changed around for the better, not to say that I didn't have more struggles. And even to this day, but at that moment, it was just like all this heaviness just got lifted. And then things started moving the way that they were supposed to. That's amazing. I love what you said. You said, no, I got to do this on my own. You know, I have to have control. Us having control is like such a hard thing, I think, especially as women, because you know, we have to orchestrate so many things and, you know, we keep everything moving in our household, in our life. You know, everybody relies on us. But you're right. You know, like in our own strength, there is no way that we can carry all of those burdens on our own. No. And so I love that you had that encounter and that you said, OK, that's it. I need you. And literally, like God is really the only person that understands your fear, your struggle, your anger, your frustration, you know, whatever it is that you're feeling all at the same time. And so I'm so glad that you had that moment. And so obviously you made a very difficult decision to have a double mastectomy. How difficult was that? You know, you're removing part of your body and you're a woman and society has identified women with breast and we look at ourselves that way. So to say, take them away, especially when you have one healthy breast, Mm -hmm. it is a huge decision. But for me personally, it was not hard to make because they were just breast. Mm -hmm. They were boobs. You know, it wasn't my heart, my brain, my liver. And I wanted to live whether or not I could have reconstruction or not. It really didn't even matter to me at that moment. I just knew they were toxic. They were trying to kill me and I never wanted to deal with it again if I didn't have to. So I wanted them gone, everything. I just wanted it completely gone. And I wanted to live my life, not live under constant mammograms and ultrasounds and medications and this and that. And I just couldn't do it. And that's the struggle I had with my breast surgeon, who was a conservative breast surgeon and wanted to do a lumpectomy and do radiation and take tamoxifen because I was hormone positive. And I, you know, just kept battling with her. Like, that's not, that's not for me. Like I've done my research. I've talked about it with my family. I've prayed about it. I know exactly psychologically, emotionally, physically, how this is going to affect me. And I have prepared myself for it and I'm okay with it. This is my decision and it's my body and you should listen to me. And, you know, sadly she just didn't. And we did end up doing a lumpectomy first. Mm -hmm. Um, 
which I felt like I had no voice. It was at that time with my dad when I was coming back from him passing away. And she knew that. And she called and said, we're just going to get it out of you. We'll talk about a double mastectomy later. Let's just get it out. And I thought, you know, I don't have a voice in my own body, my own life. Like, I can't believe this. And I just did it. And then that's when it became worse because now it's invasive. Hmm. You know, that's one of the things that frustrates me with people sometimes when they have opinions about what someone else should do with their body. Everyone has a voice. Everyone should make that decision for themselves. You know, like you said, for you, removing both breasts was best for you because you didn't want to go through some of these other additional things that you had to do. You know, for somebody else, it might look different. But at the end of the day, it does have to be that person's decision because they're the ones that have to live with that and go through, you know, whatever the next steps are. And so what was the procedure like in your recovery after going through a double mastectomy? Well, once that pathology came back that it had become invasive, you know, I went to my post-op for that lumpectomy and I just looked at her and thankfully I found my voice again and I stood up and just said, if you can't support me in my decision, I've got to go. Like I got to go. And I was prepared to go. And she came to see how I felt as well. And she agreed. And then that's when we moved forward with the double mastectomy. It is a huge procedure. It, and I had reconstruction at that time, which included expanders that they insert mm-hmm. at that time under the muscle. It's painful. Mm. They put a little saline in it. So it's stretching the muscles and your skin. And, you know, you have very little range of motion in your hands and both arms at the same time. So you're out of the hospital, you know, 24, 48 hours later, and you're at home trying to function. And I know I pushed myself a little bit hard in the beginning. Then I was like, stop, like you have to allow your body to heal. Mm -hmm. So fortunately, I am so grateful that I have wonderful kids and a great husband who also keeps me pretty grounded with reality of sit down, (laughs) you're not doing this, we're going to do it you know, take it easy, mom. It's just a few days, give yourself some time to heal. Mm -hmm. So once you come off of that anesthesia, medication, all the hype of what's happening, and you're sitting at home, and now you're maybe day three, four, and you look down at yourself, and you're like, wow, I think that's kind of when everything hit me, everything with surgery, with cancer, and my dad. And so I really had to just get it together. I allowed myself to cry and then just get myself picked back up. And like, God's got me. I've got me. My family's got me. We're going to just move forward. And this is going to be a chapter in my life. It's not going to define my life. It's not going to be, I'm not going to live in this moment forever. Mm Amen. I love that you said you're not going to be defined by your circumstance and what you went through. And and there are going to be better days. And so you shared with me that there's a huge impact on, you know, women and men who lose one breast or both breasts. What was it like for you? And why did you feel that you needed to do something different to help others? You know, I understand that physical and emotional loss of your breast. And whether you're a man or a woman, it's so impactful. So for me, going through that reconstruction process, at the end of it, you know, my plastic surgeon talked about areola tattooing. And I was blown away, like, oh my gosh, I couldn't believe I could have some type of color. It could look more natural. You know, I just had these breast mounds. Mm -hmm. And 
sadly he had no one to send me to, you know, we searched for months and there was a couple of artists, traditional tattoo artists that were provided this at that time in 2013 in the country. And they've been around for a while and they do great work. You know, it just wasn't the right fit for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm not intimidated by a tattoo or tattoo shops, but for this type of tattoo, I, I just felt like it was special and it was the ending to this whole nightmare that I had been going through. And I was excited about it. So to not have anybody locally or, I don't know, a, a different atmosphere was really heartbreaking. And I ended up having them done by the nurse in the office. And mm-hmm. she did the best that she could. But it was her job. It wasn't, she wasn't passionate about it. Right. You know, right. And there wasn't any color to choose from. It was just like three basic colors three sizes. It was so painful. She wouldn't use lidocaine. I'm like, I'm a nurse, you're a nurse. Can't you use some type of numbing? No. And traditional tattoo artists don't use it either. And I thought I can't even wrap my head around it. Like this is unacceptable. Yeah. So I, and I almost left and I'm not even, I'm not even kidding. I almost got out of that chair with half a nipple. It was just so painful. I walked out of that room when I was finished And I was going down this hallway and I'll never forget it. And I actually go to this plastic surgeon's office now and tattoo. Mm -hmm. So every time I walk down that hallway, I kind of get goosebumps because it just brings me back to the moment I realize we deserve better. We deserve the best. And I walked through that door and my plastic surgeon was standing there and he said, so what do you think, Tara? And I said, that's unacceptable. Like we deserve better. And I'm going to go train with the best in the world. I'm coming back and I'm doing this because we deserve it. And he said, do it. A few months later, I called him and said, hey, you know, I got something to show you. I want to talk to you about something. And he said, can you be here at this time? And he looked at my portfolio. I'd already become an LLC, founded Pink Ink Tattoo and tattooed for women in New Jersey. And he was just blown away by the work. I was blown away by Mm -hmm. what, you know, God's given me this talent to create and help others in need. And so that was my driving force that no other man or woman will ever have to feel like I felt in that chair. And and that's, you know, what I vowed to do setting out with Pink Ink Tattoo was to make sure that your voice is heard. You're going to choose what color you want. We're going to mix it. You know, my ink is formulated for breast cancer survivors. So if we have to have scans in the future, mm-hmm. you're going to be able to have that MRI and not worry about where that ink came from because it's made in the USA. It's governed. It's gamma sterilized. It's the best of the best. And we deserve that. Wow. I mean, if you had not gone through this, I mean, you you would not, like you said, have found your calling to help other people feel whole again and not have to go through what you went through when you walked through that hallway, knowing that you deserve something better. What was your motivation to kind of push through all of this adversity? My children. Like I wanted to live and I wanted to see them grow and become adults and start families. And I wanted to see my grandchildren. So everything and every decision I made was aggressive. Mm -hmm. And I have no regrets on that. Like I wanted to do and I'm not saying that having a double mastectomy prevents me from ever having to deal with that because there is no cure, no matter what they say, there isn't a cure. And I'm at risk, we're all at risk. But if I could be more aggressive and help myself never have to deal with that again, then I'm going to do that. And, I, and that's pretty much how I live my life is now I've learned that I have to have my voice heard. And if I have a concern, I need to get it checked out. 
And if I have to get a second or third opinion, I'm going to do it because and we all should, because at the end of the day, nobody's going to be your best advocate, but you. That's right. That you know, so, so seeing my kids grow and my husband, like I want to get old with him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what pushes me through. Yeah, that's always such a driving force when you're going through things. It's like, what's my option? And my option, there's only one. I have to fight because my kids and my future grandkids and my husband are relying on that so that we can continue to create great memories. And And life is beautiful. It is. It is. In spite of these crazy things that we go through, right? There's so many beautiful parts of life that we still have to live. So looking back at all of this, Tara, you know, is there anything that you think you would have done differently? No, not at all. I mean, of course, I would would have loved to have found my voice earlier, saved that extra surgery that put me and my family through. I would have liked to have done that. But ultimately, everything that I've gone through my whole entire life has led me to where I am today. And it's literally I'm living my best life. It's amazing. You know, I know you've shared your story with other people. You know, when you and I first talked, you know, why do you think it was important to share your story today with me? Well, I know that even in it's 2021 and I meet women every day that have never even heard of areola tattooing. And I think that's just such a shame. These doctors need to talk about it when you're going in for a reconstruction. You need to know your options. Mm -hmm. Everybody deserves to feel comfortable in their own skin. Right. And I think sharing my story not only helps you feel, hopefully will help someone feel like they're not alone in their journey. Maybe they don't have that support group or family support, but they are listening and say, wow, she gets it. Like she's been through, Mm -hmm. she didn't just have cancer. Her dad died. This happened. And then she had to go through horrible nipple tattooing. Like who even talks about nipple tattooing? Right. It's something literally to give them something to talk about, to do that research. And so it's important to share because sadly, 2021 and people still don't know it's an option out there. That's right. Well, I love that you're bringing more awareness to this to help other people. And so many times, obviously, if there's somebody out there that's listening right now, and they are struggling with some type of breast cancer, I need to make this decision, or maybe they're a family member of somebody, a friend that's going through something or that's already made this decision and doesn't feel whole, what advice would you give them right now to kind of encourage them through this difficult time? Well, it's so important to reach out to your community. The breast cancer community is huge. It's loving. It's open. Your friends and family your support groups in your area, go to a hospital. You don't even have to have that surgery at that hospital. If they have a support group there, reach out to them and, you know, ask questions, do your research, go get a second or third opinion and just remind yourself that you are your best advocate. So if you're going through it, definitely remember nobody has you like you have you. Mm. And if you feel uncomfortable with that surgeon, maybe you need to go have a consultation with with another one. That's right. Yeah, because not every doctor is like a one size fits all no, doctor, exactly. you know, and if there's something that you feel that you don't like that you're hearing, it's like, okay, great. Well, you know, I'll get back to you. And then the beauty of, of living in, in the US is being able to have those options and get those second and third opinions until you find the right doctor for you at every level that really understands how you feel. And so in your intro, I shared your quote that said that you're living your second act. What does that mean, Tara? 
I think it just means that before cancer, I was living my life. I, I was a nurse, a mom. I was a friend, you know, a wife, and I did my thing. And I thought I was going to retire in the nursing world. And the kidney transplant was my big hurrah in my lifetime. And I, and I had faith then, you know, and I believed in God and I lived the life that I thought I was living good. And when cancer came, everything in my whole entire life just shifted and got into perspective and important things really became important and mattered and things that were irrelevant just kind of get left alone. And it's literally living my best life on my second act of life, because now it's almost like you see clearer, you don't sweat the small stuff, right. you live in the moment and you take every moment with my family, my granddaughter that I have now. And mm. even at work, when I go to tattoo across the country, and I meet these women and men, it's not a job. It's my passion. And every moment I'm with them, like I'm honored to spend my time with them and to listen to their journeys if they share their breast cancer journey with me. So living my second act in life is my better act. Like I have clearer eyes, my heart is clear, my faith is absolutely stronger and better than ever in my life. And so I think it just makes a world of difference. I feel like I'm a better wife, a better mom. I think I'm a pretty amazing grandma. Mm -hmm. And I never wanted to have cancer. And I would have never want to ever have it again. Right. And I wouldn't wish it on anybody. But I think just going through that adversity made me come out a stronger person, a better person. So that's that's, right. that's what it means to me. I love it. Through this adversity, like you said, you're living your best life and you've come out even stronger than maybe that you ever even imagined. You know, sometimes yeah. you think you go through stuff and you're like, wait, I'm not strong enough to get through this. And then, you know, you get through it. You're looking at it now in the rear view and saying like, wow, God, we got through. Like I did this and look at what I'm doing now. Look at what my second act looks like. You would have never imagined that you would be living never. the life that you're living right now. And that's the never. beauty of healing and what God can do in our lives and, and bring out new talents that we had no idea that, no that idea. we even had. <laughs> no idea. I love it. So Pinking tattoo obviously is your passion. It's your calling. It's your God-given gift. How can people connect with you, Tara, on social media? So you can reach out to me through my website at pinkinktattoo.com. Pretty simple. Instagram, it's pink underscore ink underscore tattoo. And then Facebook is pinking tattoo LLC. And of course, they can always call me on my work number at 919-592-5580. And, you know, I'd love to answer any questions that anybody has or listen to you if you just need somebody to talk to because I've been through it. That's right. Well, I'm so happy that you reached out to me. Um, you reached out to me at a, a very critical time in my life. And I want to say thank you. I feel like that was also a very divine conversation. I was recovering from a hysterectomy. And it was in those first initial weeks that were really difficult because I too was diagnosed with cervical cancer. And that was a decision I had to make really quickly to have a full hysterectomy. And it's a difficult journey. And so as I hear you, you know, sharing all of your first thoughts and moments and fears, I'm living it. And literally, this was just a couple of months ago with you and understand, although it's different, anyone that gets any type of a cancer diagnosis goes through kind of those same feelings 
and it's okay, but there are going to be better days and it's okay to cry and it's okay to be fearful and continue to be near your family and, and rely on those that support you and love you and you will get through it. And so I want to thank you. Thank you so much for being on the Courageous Podcast today. I pray continued blessings over you, your life, your family, and that God will continue to use you and Pinky Tattoo to give people hope inspiration and to, you know, make them whole again so that they can feel like they too can live their best life as you are right now. And so I thank you, Tara. And I hope that this is not the last time that we connect or collaborate. If there's anything that you want to do in the future, Courageous Podcast is here to support you. Thank you so much, Madeline. And and it's been, again, a true honor to be able to share and connect with you. And, you know, you're right. God did connect us and maybe I needed you and you needed me and maybe some of your listeners needed to hear both of us. Yes. So thank you so much for sharing. Hey, Courageous Community. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope you were encouraged today. If you have a courageous story or want to connect with today's guest, email us at courageouspodcast2020 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Courageous Podcast. Until next time, continue to be strong and courageous.